Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Are you kidding me? The Knicks are at it again. And for years, when I would use that phrase, the Knicks are at it again, it meant completely whiffing on their targets in free agency or overspending on old, busted up, and broken down has-beens or never worse. Or having garden security get into it with Nick legends and Nick fans. Or generally, just them being a massive clown show. Not anymore. Have you seen the Knicks? Have you seen the Knicks? Have you seen these Knicks? Have you really seen the Knicks? They beat the Hornets by 12 last night at the Garden. And they put on a show. In other words, it's not just that they're winning. It's how they're winning. They were down six at halftime. And then they absolutely locked Charlotte up in the second half. They gave up 33 in the first quarter. 33 in the second quarter. And 31 in the second half. Total. Thanks for coming. Now get the hell out of here. You too, Rit. Rit sitting there live tweeting about his team. Get the hell out of here with that. Miles Bridges has been absolutely laying waste. Two defenders lately, but the Knicks were not having any of that. Julius Randle continues to be a double-double machine. And he's got range. R.J. Barrett looking like he's finding his stride in the association. I mean, the man did go off for 18 in the third quarter alone last night. He outscored Charlotte all by himself in the third quarter. Not only do they have the longest winning streak in the NBA right now, it is the team's longest winning streak since 2014. You want to know how long ago that was? That was the mellow Swish era. What up, Swish? You're welcome here anytime, yo. It's Carmelo Anthony. Remember that time Swish hit an assistant coach with a bowl of soup? Anyway, all you haters can point out how soft the Knicks' schedule has been of late and how it's about to get much tougher, much tougher, including a nasty road trip at the start of next month. Man, who cares? Who cares? Why talk about that when you can talk about the fact that they actually have it good right now? You want to know how great things are right now for the Knicks? They're actually having to talk about taking it one day at a time. That's actually hilarious to me. They're so good. They need to take it one day at a time. Listen to their legendary coach. The important thing, I think, for us is not to get lost. You start thinking about down the road, the playoffs, win streaks, and then you lose focus on getting ready for Atlanta. And that's where our focus has to be. We just go day by day, step by step. And if we're taking care of all the things we need to take care of, all the other stuff will take care of itself. And it's easy uh, to get knocked off course, and you can't do that. You imagine we're actually concerned about the Knicks believing the hype, the Knicks getting caught up in winning, the Knicks getting caught up in the postseason, and it's legit. Getting lost in the sauce. Of course, the guy's totally right. But the fact that we're even talking about the Knicks going day by day means there's actually something to go day by day for. And that's a miracle unto itself. Because for years, there's been no reason to take it one day at a time. Because taking it one day at a time meant taking it one loss at a time. Taking it one day at a time means the Knicks are actually relevant. They matter. Yeah, I said it. The Knicks matter. Something that I did not think that I would ever say again in this lifetime. Something I didn't think that my children would ever say in their lifetime. But these dudes actually 
do matter. They're not only legitimately looking at a playoff berth, but actually in a battle for the home court. That's actually a thing. You tell me what's more ridiculous than that. It's kind of ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. Like the Knicks fans, they're either always living way in the past or way into the future. They're either talking about the two titles they won nearly a half a century ago, or they're talking about all those close calls that they had 25 years ago. Or they're talking about how it's going to get so much better a few years from right now when they finally get their real guys in. Problem being... No one gives a damn about what happened 25 or 50 years ago. And all those guys who they think are coming to be their savior never actually do. Because none of them want anything to do with a garbage franchise. Garbage! Or didn't want anything to do with that garbage franchise. Because even that might be changing. Listen to what the rising legend Zion had to say after the Knicks beat the Pelicans in overtime on Sunday. Check uh, it out. Uh, I'm glad you asked that, actually. Uh, I mean, New York is the mecca of basketball. Uh, I love I love playing. I love playing here. Uh, when I played here in college, and this is my first time playing here in the pros, and I mean, this, this atmosphere, you know, whether they're cheering for you, whether they're booing for you, uh, it's amazing. Uh, uh, honestly, I think outside of New Orleans, obviously, uh, I think this might be my favorite place to play outside of New Orleans. I can't even lie to you. I can't lie to you. This dude, I mean, like you could hear the smile in his voice, right? Of course, the Knicks heard that, and they got drunk as hell off that. When was the last time anybody who mattered said anything close to that about them? It's like, dude, just slid into their DMs or something. Like, not only did he say it, he meant it. Not only did he mean it, he couldn't wait to tell you. He said it himself. I'm glad you asked that question. So, of course, Nick fans lost their minds with that. And they started looking at his contract details, figuring out how quickly can we get the big man in here? How quickly can we make Zion one of us? How quickly? How quickly? <laughs> they want to know. They want to know how quickly this guy can come in and they can start hanging banners. Hate to throw water on that, Nick fan, but it's not happening. No time soon. Not unless he pulls an AD and forces his way out of town. Just know this. He is signed with the Pelicans through 2023, and he's got a ton of financial reasons to stay in New Orleans. That second contract. I know you want this guy. I know you had this weird belief that he was destined to play for your team and that somehow you got jobbed in the lottery. And you can't figure out if David Stern iced the envelope for you so you could get Patrick Ewing, why couldn't the league have run that back and done it with Zion? Wasn't that amazing that Patrick Ewing ended up with the Knicks? How, how that happened, I have no idea. Anyway, listen. Bottom line is this. You may never get this guy, but the fact that this guy's openly talking about you the way he is is a championship in and of itself for you, Nick fan. So do as Tibbs does. Take it one day at a time. Know where your feet are and know that for the first time in a long time, you actually matter. You just got the jungle treatment to open up the show. Except this time, it was positive jungle treatment. And I can't believe I did it. But you earned it. And that's what I've always been about. 
That's what this show has always been about. Yes, I have been going in on the Knicks for years, but you give me a reason to hype you up, and I'll do that too. Happy to do it. You earned it. Happy to do it, and I'm guaranteeing my guy Tibbs was happy to hear it. <laughs> they look good, man. They look good. I like what I see. Seven in a row for the Knicks. We just go day by day. Know where your feet are. Let me tell you about an absolutely amazing product that I found, that I use, that I absolutely love. Theragun. Do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody just like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun does not just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. I'm telling you, this product is absolutely amazing. And it's trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash Rome right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Some of the greatest athletes in the world are using it. You should too. Theragun.com slash Rome. Theragun.com slash Rome. Elijah Molden is my guest. Elijah, great to have you on. How are you? Hey, Jim, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Dude, good to have you on. Really good to have you on. All right, so bring me up to date. I know you spent some time working out just down the road from where I am. In fact, not far from where I live with Les Spellman in Irvine. What have you taken away from your time with him, and what has he done for you? Have you met, have you met Les before? No, I have not, but I'd like to. He's one of the best dudes I've ever met. Um, just real good people. I mean, really, he just taught me, like, how to run. You know what I mean? A lot of people... I mean, we run all the time, especially as athletes, but a lot of people don't know, like, the science behind it. And he, he's super backed up by data. Um, so he, he really taught me how to run. I like that. Elijah Molden is joining us. I like anybody who's an expert who's not far from where I am, and he is right down the road. Now, you weren't the only guy there. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were there as well. As a DB, and I know you pay attention to these things, what did you learn about them and their games while you were there? Really just like kind of how they see the game from a different lens. You know what I mean? They're they're busy talking about like how, you know, ways to exploit the weaknesses of the defense. And then meanwhile, I'm on the defense trying to cover up those weaknesses and exploit the offensive weaknesses. So, I mean, it's just, a you know, the different side of the game, obviously. And I think especially like at that position, um, you know, you have to be confident. And all those guys are very confident. Elijah Molden is joining us. I'm going to talk to you more about the position and some of the comparisons that have been made already to you, and you're not even in the league yet. But you said something that I think is really interesting. You said that at a certain point in your college career, you realized pretty much everybody can run, but the underlying separator was, quote, psychology of sport. I think that's really interesting, and especially from somebody as young as you. So if you had to say, in your opinion, what separates the good from the great? Oh, I think it's, you know, playing the game, you know, above the shoulders, you know, um, everyone's, you know, I think the game is 90% mental. 
Um, and a big part of that mental side is just like having the ability to focus, um, having the ability to focus when there's a lot of distractions around you, whatever, you know, with the, either with the crowd cheering or, you know, negative self-talk or maybe an injury and stuff like that. Like it's really, it's really critical to be able to focus and lock in in those moments. Elijah Molden is joining us. You know, I'm kind of curious then, like we're talking about mindset, right? Mindset. So for instance, when you're finding motivation, does it come from having a chip on your shoulder or does it come from spending time in meditation and being calm no matter what? In other words, what kind of fuel are you running on? Um, I think it's just the love of the game, really. And, you know, a lot of people like play with the chip on their shoulder and I, I've done that before. Uh, you know, you, if you watch the Michael Jordan documentary, he kept on saying like he took it personal. Um, so like there, there are certain times where I'll take things personal, but more often than not, um, you know, I just play for the love of the game. That's enough for me. Elijah Molden is joining us, getting ready for the NFL draft. And when you talk about the love of the game, your father, Alex, was a first-round pick back in 96. He played eight years in the NFL. He's a member of yep. the University of Oregon Hall of Fame. So, like, what was it like growing up the son of an NFL player and then going through this whole process with him? It's just funny just because a lot of the people, a lot of the coaches and scouts that I meet with, um, they went through this process with my dad, you know what I mean? And it's been fun just kind of re you know recounting the mem- early memories I've had some of the first memories I ever had was of him making plays and getting interceptions and hanging out with his old teammates um uh, so football's kind of always been in my life um, you know I think just more so than that you know he's I can't imagine him doing anything else than what he did you know what I mean at the end of the day he's just my dad He's just your dad, but I wonder, like, is it cool when you find guys that played with your dad or played against your dad or coached your dad and they've got stories about him? Is that kind of cool to hear? Yeah. Yeah, I know, because, I mean, I'm sure I'll do this when, I, when, I'm a, when I'm a father, but he loves to talk himself up. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, and I, I love uh, mixing and matching the stories that I get from him and the stories I get from other people. More often than not, they, they add up. You know what I mean? But seems like every every time he recounts something, it's like he got one more interception than the last time he told me, or he he jumped this much higher than the last. You know what I mean? So uh, it's making me laugh. That's really funny. Like, yeah, he he jumped this much higher. He ran this much this much faster. He put two twenty five up this many more times. I was gonna say to you, like, does he say things to you like, "Hey, man, I'm really proud of you," but you ain't me, and you never will be. Or does he say things to you like, "Hey, man, you can do stuff that even I couldn't do." Uh yeah, I mean I think we we have I mean we I think we play similar but also we have our different strengths and weaknesses like um like he can jump higher than me but I'm also quicker than him and um I think in terms of our technique we're pretty similar. Obviously like we're like the same size. Uh but it's never it's never really a competition. More often than not he'll give me the benefit of the doubt just because he never had a dad who who was able to share all the experiences with, with him. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on that, Elijah, because I'm fascinated. I think it's just so cool that you and your dad, well, your dad played and had a really, really nice career, and you're about to start your career. Fact of the matter is, we can go on and on about comparisons between you and him, but there's so many other comparisons made. I mean, Buda Baker, for instance, was on NFL Network, and he was hyping you up, talking about your versatility, and saying that you remind him of himself, knowing Buda and his game and what he did at the University of Washington. What did it mean to hear him talking you up the way he did? Um, yeah, I mean, knowing Buddha, I think more, I just respect him just because of how, 
how much of a hard worker he is. You know what I mean? I, I, I was never fortunate enough to play with him. But from, from Coach Lake and Coach Pete and, and my old teammates telling me stories about him, his work his work ethic is the reason why he's, you know, having success in the league. And, um, you know, when he talks, you know, whenever he gives me credit, it's I think it's more of a testament to my work ethic. So it means a lot. Elijah Molden joining us right now. What about the comparisons between you and Tyron Matthew? I got to be honest. Like, those are coming up, too. This Tyron Matthew, to me... He is one of the guys I respect most of all in the NFL for so many different reasons. I mean, the way he plays the game, the way he carries himself, the way he leads from the front. What's your reaction when you hear those comparisons? And when you watch him on tape, what do you think? I think he's he's like one of the the players who, especially at that nickel position, like he really like changed. He really changed the position. I think if you look back, you look at Charles Woodson and Rondé Barber. Uh, you know, Chris Harris and also Tyron Matthew. I'm sure I'm missing others, but like there, there are a few players who really like change the position. You know what I mean? Five years ago, you, you might not be talking about, um, you know, a nickel being like a starter, but in today's league, a nickel is a lockdown starter now. Uh, and really, I mean, I just watched so much tape of him and I respect like all the adversity he's gone through, especially like, you know, he, he early in his career with injuries and stuff and, um, you know, I think he's a player. I think he's always hungry. You know what I mean? So I respect that. You know, I'm glad you brought that up about the nickel spot. Like Bucky Brooks also singled you out as, quote, the best nickel corner in the class. He added, quote, it takes a special player to play in the slot. So you started that point. So finish that point if you would. What's he mean by that? In other words, what does it take to play that position, both from a physical and a mental standpoint? What makes it so challenging? I think it's the, the most difficult position outside of quarterback just because there's a lot of space between you and the, the slot receiver. Um, and also there's like, there's a lot of space he can use against you. You know what I mean? The the route tree is a lot, uh, he's a lot more routes to choose from. Um, and really more often than not, like as a nickel, you're playing in no man's land. You know, a lot of people either play corners, either play press, or they play off covers like you know seven eight yards, but at nickel you're playing like four yards off sometimes, and that's really tough to do. Um, and that's not even taking in the fact how you know more often than not the nickels lining up the defense, and he's changing he's changing uh, calls with different shifts and motions and stuff. So it's a it's a it's a really big responsibility. It's something that when I was a freshman, my goal was to be the best nickel in the in the country, and I believe I was you know the past two years at UW. All right, so a final thought. Like, you're getting some run as a potential first-round draft pick. When you hear that, is it important to you to go in the first round, or are you more interested in finding the right fit? Yeah, more. I mean, I'm more interested in finding the right fit. You know what I mean? I think it's really important for me to, like, set my pride aside. You know, I think whenever I, my ego gets in the way, it, it's never good for me. Um, so right now I'm just taking the time to, like, you know, take take in the moment and the, and the opportunity, and I just can't wait to get on the field and show what I have because I know it's going to. A lot of people are going to say say this and that about, oh, you know, I don't know how I don't know how we like kind of slept on this player. I don't know how we overlooked him. Um, I'm sure to go out there and play, man. 
Elijah Molden joining us. 2021 NFL Draft gets underway on Thursday. He was a two-time Pac-12 first-teamer and All-American. My man, Elijah, listen, good luck on draft day. Great to have you on the program. When you figure out where you're going to live and work, I'm going to run you down again, and we'll run this back again. Great to have you on. Yeah, there you go. I appreciate you a lot. I appreciate you a lot. Great to have you on. I love that. Are you looking to grab some protein after a good workout? Of course, except this time, do it differently. Do not make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire, and it goes with you wherever you go. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name. Because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, there it is. The giant plastic tower of beef. Teriyaki. Peppered. It's all good. Let's get it. And notice it's locked so Rit cannot get in. We had to actually lock the tower of Mm. beef. There's a padlock on it. It's double locked right now. I saw him trying to jimmy the lock the other day. I'm like, come on, Rit. Rome, my beef is with the slow shopping cart guy in the grocery aisle. Dude, let's move it. Get your high trans fat desserts and move. You don't need to keep blocking my way. Steve from the Northwest. Romy, my beef is with that guy that uses the bathroom, then proceeds to go over and just run water over his hands and walk out. Use some soap, freak. Rob and Charlotte, those are both good beefs. Hola, Jim, my beef is with these impatient, inconsiderate goofs that hover around the baggage claim at the airport, standing shoulder to shoulder, waiting for their crappy luggage that is yet to even make it to the carousel, making it impossible to get through and get your bag. Back up, wait for your bag to come out, then step up and retrieve your duct-taped hand-me-down and get the hell out of the way, dorks. Sammy. People are angry today. I like it. Dear Jim, I have a beef. It's with my coworker who constantly tells me that today is national fill-in-the-blank day. Look, I don't care what day it is because every day is national shut-the-hell-up day. Bob in Buffalo, there is your clubhouse leader. Well done. Romy. My beef is with people that bring their dog to the farmer's market. Nothing like taking a bite out of a delicious breakfast burrito only to look up and see your St. Bernard (laughs) dropping a hot steamer. (laughs) Evan Jones. Well done, Ev. My beef is with people that bring their dogs anywhere. How about that? And I like dogs a lot. People who bring their dogs anywhere other than for a W-A-L-K. Do you really need that dog with you at the mall, at the restaurant? Dear Jim. Oh, this guy nailed it. My beef is with pants pockets that are too small for my cell phone. So when I go sit in my car, the phone falls out of my pocket and into that cell phone size crack between the car seat and the console. 
thus ending up in purgatory under the car seat with zero chance of finding it until I arrive at my destination. Sincerely, Devin in Indy. That is so well played. That is so true. That is so infuriating. The only thing worse than that is losing your cell phone in your airplane chair purgatory. I've done that so many times. And then that's a black hole and you're not getting it back. I had a better chance of finding my cell phone at the bottom of Cranberry Lake than I did at the bottom of my last flight in Delta. That The car thing is a real thing, though, man. I do that so often. I hate that. God forbid we wait until we get what we're going to get to get our phone back, right? Because then I can't text and drive. Dear Jim, my beef is with four-year-olds who address me by my first name. Hey, parents, teach your rugrats how to address an elder with some respect. Mix in a mister every once in a while. Sincerely, Paul in the Denver... Denver suburbs. Rome. My beef is with bike seats. Why so small? Brent in Appleton. Well done. Hey, Ike, why is your thumb up, dude? When's the last time you ever got on a bike? Dude, when's the last time you did any exercise at all? Ike's like, yeah, man, right, right on, right on. Come on, Rit. Rome. I have massive beef with all sports channels that are talking European soccer this week. Our ancestors fought a war, so we do not have to care about or listen to this garbage. Stop it. Vince in Illinois. Rome, my beef is with Manny Pacquiao singing. If you're going to subject us to that garbage, at least pick a better song. Tan Smack. Give us what we want. Benny Scholl singing the national anthem. <laughs> oh my. Sign Jeremiah in Greenville. You check out Benny yesterday wishing everybody a happy 420. <laughs> oh my. Van Smack. Van my beef Black. is with Old Man River at Del Mar placing his late double-double bet with one minute to post in the first race. Half the line is yelling, and this man thinks nothing of it and continues on with that $2 bet. Put the racing form down, old man. Place that bet in the window between races, not when the lines are packed with seconds to go. James in San Diego. That's, a, that's an awesome beef, actually. That's so true. He wars hot and dusty, making me winnings in 2009 at DMTC. War, Trevor Denman resets. Hi, Jim. I have a beef with parents who post their kids' report cards on social media. Nobody cares how your spawn is performing in Algebra 2. Here is an equation for you idiots. You plus your kids equals losers. Salty Sarah T. Dear Jim, I am drinks a ton of water at work guy. And my beef is with the old women I work with who tell me I'd be in the bathroom all day if I drank that much water. Hey, Gertrude and Mabel, I don't care about how much water you drink, nor do I want to picture your bathroom habits. 
you two fossils. Leave me alone and go grab a Reader's Digest or whatever you dinosaurs read. Paul in Albany. This one reads, what's happening, partner? My beef is with my fiance who let raw chicken link leak on the top shelf of the refrigerator just so I could find it dripping over everything on its way down to the floor as I was trying to leave for work this morning. Put that thing in a sealed container while it is thawing. We're not crying like a little bitch while talking about my fiance like Jeff in San Antonio. Michael in the Mile High City. All right, there you go. Let's go to the phones. Call with your beef in the Bay Area, Joe. What's going on, Joe? What's your beef? Romy. Romy. Joe. I'm a sales rep with the California Lottery, and my beef is with all these knuckleheads that ask me in every single account I go to, what are the winning numbers? Yeah, because if I had those, I'd be sitting here in this dirty-ass store talking to you and not laid up on a beach retired somewhere. My man, rack him. Nice job, Joe. Well done, Joe. I like that. That was a good beef. That was legitimate. That was authentic. He was pissed. I like that. Good job. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to St. Louis. Todd in St. Louis. Todd, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. Being guilted into giving up more money anytime I buy something when the credit card machine displays, would you like to donate money to fight hunger, help a pet, save a tree, blah, blah, blah. And Salty Sarah forgot to uh, war all the talk about fixing in and out for her. Peace. Restaurants, brother. You know, the thing about being guilted into donations, it's one thing if it shows up. All you have to do, like on the screen, is hit no if you don't want to. It's another, though, when the checker hits you right between the eyes with, would you like to donate to? I mean, you almost have to say yes, right? And, and we probably should say yes anyway. I'm not saying we shouldn't. I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't drag me down with your beef. 1-800-636-8686. Where are we going next? I'm looking for a beef. Let's go to Frank in Michigan. Good to have you, Frank. What's your beef? Yo, Rome. My beef is with a uh, radio disclaimer guy at the end of mortgage company commercials. That's my beef. Nice job. Well done, Frank. (laughs) My man, here's the thing. The reason we do that, and that does go on in my program, we have to get, I don't know, 45 seconds of content into 30 seconds. (laughs) Or 75 seconds into 60 seconds. Radio disclaimer guy's got a job to do, too. We have to do that or legal will kick our ass if we don't. Got it? What's your beef? We go to Snowbird. (laughs) Mike and Snowbird. What's up, Mike? Romy, what's up, buddy? My beef is with both versions of turn signal idiot. You got the original, the guy who doesn't use it at all, usually in an Audi. And then you have the mutation. You got the guy who hits the signal right when he starts to turn. You're doing it wrong. I need some heads up. I can't read your mind, you butthole. All right. So first of all, add him to the butthole montage. 
this guy's great. He's like, it's the original. The guy who won't do it at all. Usually an Audi guy. And then the mutation thereof. The guy who starts to hit the blinker right as he starts to make the turn. I can't read your mind, butthole. I don't know. Mike and Snowbird makes me laugh. The beef segment generally makes me laugh. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to the D. Jay Scabs. Johnny, what's your beef? Hey, Jimmy, my beef is with people who crowd the boarding area at the airport when they know they're sitting in the back of the plane. Get the hell out of the way so I can get my hot towel and a glass of scotch. Late. Come on, Scabs. You're not sitting up front. You're not getting a hot towel. You're not getting your scotch. Come on, dude. You know, life must be returning to normal because we've had multiple beefs on the airport. Does that mean you're traveling once again? If you're talking about the carousel and you're talking about riding up front with a hot towel and scotch. Momo in the 805. Momo, what's up? What's your beef? Wasabi, Romy. My beef is with those homies that show up to happy hour at Harry's Plaza Cafe and have no wallet and drink $100 worth of stiffies and a French dip, and it takes five Venmo requests and a month later to pay you back. My man, I see you working. Wasabi. I had a friend once. When you call a Dell Technologies advisor, you are talking to somebody who is not waiting for their turn to speak. No, they actually want to hear what you have to say. They're focused on you, ready to give advice on everything from laptops to the cloud and offer tailored solutions powered by Intel vPro platform to keep your small business ready for what's next. Our advisors listen so you know your small business needs have been heard. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK. Dell. Billy Napier is my guest. Billy, it's good to have you back. How are you? Doing great, Jim. I appreciate you covering our team, man. I appreciate you coming on, Coach. Talk about your team. It's great to have you back. All right, so you've been going through spring practices. You've got your spring game Thursday night. How did you attack that period? In other words, what were your goals coming into spring, and how has progress gone in realizing those goals? Where are you at? Well, I've been really pleased. You know, I think we executed our first and second phases as well as we've done since we've been here. You know, we spent about a month in our foundation phase back in January and February. Uh, we transitioned uh, to the identity program, which is probably the most difficult part of the year. Really a challenge from a mental toughness standpoint. Really challenges the self-discipline of the players. And then, you know, that momentum uh, has really carried over into spring practice. Very pleased. You know, it's a new team, quite a bit of attrition, you know, not only on the on the team with the players, but also within the organization. So a lot of work. Uh, really pleased with the depth. I felt like we developed. You're really trying to establish familiarity with um, the systems on offense, defense, and game changers. Um, we did that, not only with the players, but also with the new staff as well. Billy Napier joining us. I appreciate that response. You mentioned the identity phase, and then you talked about mental toughness and discipline. For instance, with a new group, what's the identity of this football team? What are you looking for in terms of identity? Well, we're a long way uh, from being there, but I think you know, we want to do the simple things really well when it comes to football. You know, I think oftentimes the first way you win is you don't beat yourself. Uh, so I think just really becoming familiar with our concepts, uh, the fundamentals at each position, 
Um, I think communication is really important. You know, I think you can eliminate mental errors, be on the same page. Um, in general, that's been our focus in spring practice, right? I think it's one of the ways that we've improved as a team is we've been very good fundamentally. And I think it's a big part of spring practice. You know, it's how you develop your roster. Um, oftentimes we get caught up in the starting group, but the depth of your team, the bottom half of your roster, I think affects the ability for your team to continue to improve. And we're pleased with what we've seen uh, so far. Billy Napier is the head football coach at the University of Louisiana. Billy, I mentioned off the top that you're going to open up against Texas again on September 4th. Fact is, you opened up last season at Iowa State. This year, Texas. A lot of programs would not risk starting the season with big-time opponents the way you have. What's your your sense or your approach to that? What's your process in thinking that? Well, I think it uh, benefits your team. You know, I think there's a lot of excitement. Um, you know, not only in the off season, but in particular, in the summer during training camp uh, was an approach that we had at the University of Alabama that I really thought impacted our preparation as we led up to the season. So it's going to be a great challenge. You know, the, the tradition, the history, great Texas program, certainly Steve Sarkeesian, who's a very accomplished coach. Uh, so it'll be a good measuring stick for our staff and our team. And a great way to start it off, right? I think, um, you know, we'll have a good picture of where we're at, what we need to do to continue to improve uh, as a team as we take on the 21 schedule. We're talking to Billy Napier. You know, Billy, I could talk to you about scheme. I could talk X's nose with you. I want to ask you about something, though, that's not that necessarily. After the win over Iowa State last year, you said something that really did stick with me. You said you do not win a game like that, quote, unless you've got exceptional people, end quote. So, I mean, in terms of scheme and talent, how much of football is about scheme and talent and how much of it is about the people and making people the priority and making sure you have exceptional people? No, I think you're spot on, Jim. You know, I think growing up as a son of a high school football coach, really got into the profession because of the opportunity to impact people. You know, and observing my dad do that generation after generation, I tried to take a similar approach uh, at the collegiate level. You know, my dad oftentimes would say that football is a game about people, strategy, and competition but you've always got to keep people at the top of that list. And it's really the approach that we've taken. You know, I think trying to develop young men, right, trying to develop people, um, not only the players, but also the people within your organization. So it's a big part of what we do. There's no question I think um, this game will test what type of togetherness that you do have if there's a sincerity about your care for the players and care for the people in your organization. And that's what we've done here. It's part of our culture. Uh, and I do think it's the human element, right, to this game. So many people contribute to success of a football team, college football in particular. You know, we, we've got 135 players. We've got, I think we test in COVID 215 people each week, twice a week. So, there's a lot of people that have a role and contribute to your success. And it's where we start. So I think you're spot on. Uh, and certainly that's a big part of what we do here. 
Billy Napier joining us. Billy, maybe I'm reading into this, but when you and I started this conversation, I think you said something along the lines of, hey, thanks for giving me an opportunity to talk about the program. You know, because of the success you've had at Louisiana, your name has come up time and time again for other jobs. I'm curious how you approach that and why it's so important for you to stay where you are right now. Well, you know, I think a lot of things go into those decisions. Um, probably number one at the top of the list is the people that you work with each day to go along with your family. You know, I think sometimes, you know, people think about just your family. Um, when you start talking about career decisions, uh, moves in the profession, but you know, there's hundreds of people that are impacted, not only our current team and organization, but also the people that you're going to work with and uh, the players you're going to coach at the next stop. So, you know, I think big thing for me is I'm very pleased with where we're at here. You know, I've been very impressed with the leadership uh, from our administration. Uh, Dr. Savlon and Dr. Maggard are absolute professionals. Uh, they've given us the tools that we need to be competitive and have success and really like the team that we have coming back. And I feel like there's work left to be done uh, and certainly a lot more that we can accomplish. So, you know, I mean, a lot goes into those decisions. A lot of prayer, uh, a lot of thoughts, a lot of phone calls to maybe mentors, people in the profession that you've got respect for and have gotten wisdom from throughout the years. And, you know, right now, Lafayette, Louisiana is a special place to our family, and certainly we're excited about the challenges ahead. That's great. He is entering his fourth year as head coach, and again, Louisiana coming off another big, big season. They were ranked for the first time since 1943. He has led them to three straight divisional titles and the season opener. It's a big one. It's at Texas on September 4th. Billy Napier is the head football coach there. Billy, I appreciate it very much. Great to have you on. Great to talk about the program. Let's be sure to do it again soon. Jim, thank you so much, man. We'll see you down the road. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course you are. But you're not going to have a good workout and then give it all back with a shake or a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is also a family-owned business that takes their smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating an old shoe. You ever buy an old shoe in a bag? Of course not. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal. Four amazing flavors. Look for it in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're purchasing. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you don't see it, ask for it by name. No other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Sirit Sohi is my guest. Sirit, nice to have you on. How are you today? Doing well. How's it going? Good. Great. Nice to have you on. So I look forward to having you on. And we can do this now. I mentioned Steph was on the show yesterday. He had 49 Monday night. He had 47 the game before that. He's had at least 10 threes in four of his last five games. So when you're watching him right now, what's going through your head? And what do you think as you see the run that he's on? How could he possibly get better than he is or was before? You know? Right. It's just, it's just so, it's, it's, it's different than anything I've ever experienced before in sports. It's just, you think at some point he's going to miss a shot and he just doesn't. I think 
that game on Monday, I think he went 10 for 17 or something crazy like that. So it's like you're getting 30 points just from shooting threes. It's, I don't know. It's, it feels sustainable to me. Does it feel sustainable to you? It does. It certainly does. And I'm watching it. I'm trying to make sense of it because he's coming off an injury. He missed most of last season. He's 33. And not only does he look as good to me as he has ever looked, he actually looks better. In fact, you made the point that when he goes on a run like this, it feels like 2016 again. So how would you compare what he's doing right now versus what he did then? And then how does that all fit into the context of Golden State's season? Well, when you look at 2015, 2016, I think right now this last 10-game stretch or however long it's been, this is better. Uh, he's shooting it better. He's taking more threes, and that, that needs to be the future for him, like this 17, 18 three-point attempts per game. I know it sounds like crazy. I know that you know 10 years ago it would be like, what, you want one player taking you know, 18 threes a game? There are certain teams that just don't do that, but Steph should be because – He's just unbeatable from back there. It's like it's as efficient, basically, as getting Zion a shot in the paint. Like that's how that's how accurate he is with those shots, and that's something he can keep doing. He's shooting better at the rim. He's getting to the line. Like he's he looks he looks a little bit stronger. And I think you know he's just like you see this with certain players. I think you see it with Chris Paul, for example, where he might be aging, but this you get more reps and you figure out the game better and you figure yourself out a little bit better and like you make these micro improvements. And if you didn't, if your game never relied on athleticism that much in the first place, then I think this, even though the fact that he's 33 right now or 32 right now, it's, it doesn't really, it it doesn't make that big of a difference because it's not like he ever j- jumped out of the gym in the first place. The fact that he's just getting more of these reps is just making him better. And you know, the Warriors, on the other hand, it's kind of like I don't know what's gonna. They're only, they're, even with Steph doing it, what he's doing right now, they're the ninth seed. They're obviously they're, they'll be in the play-in tournament. I think that would be really fun just to see Steph in there. But obviously, any NBA team would want to not really have that be in the equation for them. But I don't know if the sixth seed is actually really in in their grasp. They just don't really seem to have that talent unless Steph legitimately just keeps having these forty-point games. And it looks like he could and will. Seerit Sohi is joining us. You know, you mentioned Chris Paul. So let me jump ahead really quickly. The Suns beat the Bucks in overtime on Monday night in Milwaukee for mm-hmm. months now. In fact, going back to January, you've been telling everybody, get on that bandwagon. Take me back to January then. What did you see in the Suns that made you think that they might be special? Back January, I think I saw a team that was successful without necessarily doing the things that they were very capable of doing that you could see them doing uh chris paul and deandre ayton had not found a rhythm at all together if you've watched chris paul in any of his other stops though once you put him next to a talented big man that big man always gets better so for them it was working a little bit slower and he hadn't really figured out like hey where does he like the ball they were you know, putting him more in mid-range situations. They weren't running as much pick and roll. Now they're doing a ton more of that. Aiton's catching a lob, it feels like, almost every quarter. It certainly felt like that in that game. Um, and his manipulation of of the situation, just as he gets to know his teammates better, you knew that that would, that would improve just because, you know, like we were talking about before, reps. Like, that's that's the most important thing with a guy like him. And Devin Booker, Devin Booker was not really playing like the Devin Booker we see right now. He was sort of learning how to how to play make alongside Chris Paul, but he was turning the ball over a ton. He was trying to outstretch his game. And despite these things not necessarily working, they were still winning games. So I was like, okay, these things, Chris Paul is Chris Paul. He's going to figure out his new teammates. 
Devin Booker is Devin Booker. He's not going to lead the league in turnovers in, in February and in, in, in April, you know? So that stuff just felt like it was self-evident to me. Then you just add on the fact that this is a really young team that's made improvements on, on every level. Like Mikhail Bridges is, is having the best season of his career. DeAndre Ayton now having the best season of his career. Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne. Like, you just everything, – everything suggested that they would continue to get better. And you can't always rely on that because there's always potential – uh, but it just felt a little bit more concrete than some of these other teams. Sirit Sohi is an NBA reporter for Yahoo. We're talking about the West right now. So what about the Lakers? Like, there's this whole conversation that you and I could have about the Lakers that doesn't involve any of the players or anything on the court, and it's all about what's going on off the court. But if we were to leave that for a moment, they are on the verge of getting Anthony Davis back. Eventually, Mm -hmm. LeBron's going to come back. So what kind of expectations do you have for the Lakers when they do reassemble? Man, are they are they going to be healthy? Like that's kind of the biggest thing, right? Are they going to be healthy, and are they also are they going to have enough in the tank uh, to to keep it going over over the course of the finals? Like the finals are going to be played in July this year. That's my biggest concern with them right now. Is that you know, like obviously with Anthony Davis coming back, they ended up playing a little bit better without those guys than I thought they would. They started to find some rhythm towards the end. Then you also, you know, these other teams these other teams are getting injuries right now too. Like we actually just talked about this on Dump Bay. Right now you have Kawhi Leonard out. You have Kevin Durant out, Harden out, LeBron out, AD, AD out, Jamal Murray out, Damian Miller out. Like these, are, these are the best players in the NBA and they're all out. So the Lakers are kind of going through something at a higher level that a lot of these other teams are going through, but they're not going to have to worry about the Nuggets this year. Not that they were that worried about them in the first place, I don't think. Um, but that's a team they don't have to worry about. Is Kawhi going to be healthy? You know, the Suns have been healthy. That's probably one of the reasons that we've been talking about them a little bit more. The Jazz have been healthy. Uh, but for the Lakers, it's just, you know, can they, can they get to June? Can they get to June, and is everybody intact? If so, I see them going to the finals again, but there's just so many questions because this is just such a crazy season that, that it's, it's so difficult to make predictions. Right. So before you go, why don't you jump in on the MVP debate, or is it even a debate when you see Joker, for instance, averaging nearly a triple-double? Is he the MVP, period? Or, for instance, does Joel Embiid have a legitimate claim himself? Well, Embiid's going to have something to say. There's no question about that. He's back. He's healthy. And honestly, the only reason that, that Embiid isn't the MVP frontrunner is he is an also, also another one of these elite players that's gotten hurt. Uh, you got to give credit to, to Joker for being available. Um, he's obviously having a fantastic season. Now they're going to need even more of him than before. I'd say he's a front runner, but if Embiid stays healthy, then I think he, I think I would give it to him um, just because of what he does on the defensive end as well. And the Sixers are the one seed. He's obviously crushing it on the offensive end as well. Like he, you can't really guard him without a double. You can't guard him with a, with a double at this point either. Like he's just. He's an unsolvable problem. Joker is too, but just what Embiid brings on the defensive end, the fact that that team is just playing so much better and actually looks like they could make some real noise in the playoffs, it, it gives me, I, I'd say I give a slight edge to Embiid. All right, so one last thought. I'm sure you talk about this guy quite a bit on Dunk Bay, but what about Luka? What about Luka and how he fits in this conversation? What makes him so special as a talent and so unique? Oh my gosh, man, Luca! Like, you, I do. I should, I should I even bother describing. It? I feel like you, you just have to watch him. Um, that shot against Memphis, obviously, that everybody saw. But it's it's Luca magic, you know. It's just it's just something that we haven't seen before. Like the guy just has incredible touch, incredible control, incredible confidence, man. Like, oh my gosh, just the gusto of going up and taking some of these shots that he takes. He's strong. He's smart. 
I think he knows that when he plays his best that he can pretty much go toe-to-toe with any player in the NBA. And for how young he is, that's a, it's a pretty incredible thing to, to be able to say. But I don't even I don't even feel like talking about Luka does him any justice. Like, you got to just pull out a highlight reel. you got to pull out his craziest shots and just see how many times he's actually made those shots over and over again if you want to know just how far his game can go. I mean, when you when you point it out like that, and I've actually heard you talk about this, but when you look at the narrative, when he makes, when he takes and makes shots like that, and we see Steph doing what he's doing, and we see Damian Lillard pull up from where he pulls up, I mean, it, when you look at guys like this, is there now such a thing as a bad shot anymore? Depends who you are. <laughs> right. Not for those guys, though, right? Not for those guys. Not for those guys. Luka won. Luca won a Euroleague championship on a, on a running three-pointer. Not a lot of people remember that. He's done crazy things like this before. He's done it enough times that I'm now thinking, okay, what's next, you know? Yes, I do know. She's an NBA reporter for Yahoo, co-host of Dunk Bait. She just made her jungle debut, Sirit Sohi. Sirit, good job. Nice to have you on. Let's do that again soon. That was fun. Definitely. Thanks for having me. CJ in the Bay. CJ, what's up? Dodger Jimmy. It's the day after, and there's no hangover. Team Bake for life. Every day in NoCal is a good day, but for the final time, I want to address Mahogany Matthews. Sounds like somebody got their feelings hurt. He's called me fleeting, a wormster, and income poop, and set him out of my league. Two calls ago, he got ran. And after yesterday's call, you said you needed to put a burning slug into it. You sound like you look, Matt, a drunken crackhead on parole, a cat in a jumpsuit picking up trash on the side of the road. You love to go at Irate Craig, but you look like a vagrant, and you're the jungle skank that everybody's run through. So I offer you a peace pipe. In two weeks, I'm going to, ve- to Vegas, and I want to extend you an invite. I'm looking for a wingman, and you're perfect. You're like the fat girl of the group, except it's your disgusting mug. When we go out, all of a sudden, I look a lot better. You push me from an 8 to a 10, and we can make this a jungle reunion. We can bring Brad. He can hook you up with some working girls. Still can bring that dad bod and scare away chicks at the pool. We can hit the buffet, jam up the crapper, because I hear you clear growlers, a plumber's apprentice on Medicaid. Pooper's going to poop, and there's so many toilets to clean in Vegas. Clean my toilet, son. War, the XR4TI. Jungle losers take a run at these guys because they can't get onto the mic and crack back. I'm pretty sure they have a better gig than you. And War, Steph Curry being the beloved Bay icon Buster Posey could never be. Outro! Alvin, why don't you go right ahead and do what you do? Siege, you are now officially off the watch list. Good night!